Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. And so you may kind of be wondering why we call it GPS, and really it's an acronym for the three things that we're going to be talking about. And it's not three things that I haven't already said a hundred times before. But one of the things that they teach you in leadership and one of the principles of good leadership is that you have to understand that vision leaks. That, that you can share vision and that one of the things they tell you when you communicate vision is just when you feel like you have communicated it enough, do it again because they're already starting to lose direction. It, it's, you, you always got to try to keep things in front of people, keep them focused because there's different things that happen. You know, sometimes life gets busy and people get distracted. Sometimes there's things that people are going through and they have to take a season of rest. And sometimes there's... Uh, just like, you know, weather delays or cancellations and things that just throw off the normal rhythms of life that if you're not careful, even though you have all the best intentions, you still find yourself out of the rhythms of doing what we know that we're called to do. Anybody ever found yourself like, like you start working out for a period of time because you know you're supposed to work out, and so you start really working out, and then you have a business trip, and on this business trip or vacation, you don't get to eat as well as you do, and so now you're not even just not working out, but you're not eating well, and then the next thing you know, you've gained 15 pounds. Anybody ever been there before? Because you, you get in these routines and rhythms, but when they get broke up, you get off track. You lose the, the motivation, the focus. You, you get discouraged or whatever. Whatever the reason is, in our life, if we're not constantly going back to what we know God has called us to do, or what we know uh, in a, a discipline or something that we're supposed to do for our health or whatever, if we don't constantly circle back, we'll find ourselves off course. And so GPS, the acronym is for Groups, Prayer, and serving, that, that's the three areas that we're going to be talking about. But GPS also, when you look at it, we know that a GPS thing, is it, it, it identifies where we are now, but it also tells you where your desired location is as to where you're going. And so today and this week, we, as we go through this series over the next couple of weeks, we're going to begin to look at where we are now. And, and here's the thing, even though we are all at 294 Crossroads Drive, if you're here or you're over in Summersville on Broad Street or wherever the, the, in, in between, the, the, the exact location you are, I'm not talking about like physical room. You know, we can all be in this same physical room, but be in a bunch of different locations, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and all of that. And so I believe that you've got to look at this not as a whole, but as an individual. And then you've got to look at it on a family level. Where's our family? Are, are, are we where we need to be? Are we where God's called us to be? And then we've got to look at it 
uh, again as as a church. And, and you know, the thing about a GPS is if you begin to get off track, as you saw in the video, it will begin to recalculate. It will begin to tell you a, a different way. It, it, it's going to tell you to turn around, make a U-turn, go back, get off this next exit, whatever it is. The goal of the GPS is to turn you around and get you back on track. And this is something that we've talked about for a couple of years at least, is the thing that we are seeing that the church world as a whole, especially within America, has gotten off track of biblically where God desires the church to be. That we have made it a lot about celebrities uh, in Christians. We made it a lot about celebrity worship teams. We made it a lot about the big buildings. We've made it a lot about uh, things that when you look in Scripture and just study Scripture, you don't see that being the focus of things. And I think that's the thing is our focus is tilted off track, but God is wanting to use a spiritual GPS to get us heading back in the right direction. It's not about bigger buildings. It's not about building campaigns. It's, it's not about even the view that we've created about going to church. And then even the, the thing of it used to be you were considered a, a, a consistent church attender if you attended like three or four weeks out of a month and, and everything. And now if you attend three or four times a year, people consider that consistent growth. Like Everything has completely gone off track as to what God's desire is for his people and for the church. And it's not the go to church, it's the be the church. You know, and, and when you look at scripture, that's what they were teaching. The early apostles, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, he said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, you are the church. The, the Spirit of God is within you, and do you, uh, or uh, from whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Now, that right there will offend a bunch of people, just the fact that this is my life, my desires, my plan. No, 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 you, you're not your own. When you are a believer, it's not your life, your wit, like that, that you're supposed to go by. You have to realize, Paul said, don't you realize that you were paid and you were bought with with a price? So therefore, you need to glorify God with your body. And a lot of people use this as a thing of, well, I got to glorify God with my body, so I got to make sure that I don't take anything into the temple, and 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 you know, I can't have any uh, trans fats or, or or any type of. It has to be all organic, and and I got to work out and have all these things. And, and listen, I believe you eat healthy, and I, I I believe that you glorify God with your body and the way you eat, the way you take care of yourself, getting sleep, all of those different things. I think that's important. But I don't believe that that's what he's talking about. Because when it talks about, you remember the verse in Matthew that we talk about a lot as a church. Matthew, it's 5, 14 through 16. It talks about you are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. I see some of those city on a hill shirts in the, in the room right now. You know, But it says that they will see your good works and they will bring glory to God. And so it's, it's not... Glorify God with how you look in your body. It's realized that the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the strength, everything that you have, God gave you that body not just to build a, 
a career for yourselves or a huge 401k and, and, and fulfill the American dream. God gave you everything you have to bring glory to his name. Like there is a purpose for your life. There, there is a, a thing that God desires for your life and it's, and, and it's to realize that you are the church, that you carry the Holy Spirit. You carry the very thing that the world needs the most. You carry inside of you, but you've got to let him out. You've got to begin to allow him to do what he can do through you in different areas. And so we're going to talk about that in different areas. We're going to talk about that in groups. We're going to talk about it when it comes to prayer, our prayer life. We're going to talk about it when it comes to serve opportunities. But then when you look and you begin to study the church early on at the kind of the birth of the church when Jesus launches his disciples out into ministry and they begin to, to preach in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells in them. Peter gets up and he preaches this message. And, and like it is this message that it says that the people were pierced to their hearts. Like it wasn't just a like, man, that's good. I got to change. I got I to gotta do something. And then they go eat dinner that night. And somebody said, well, how was church? Oh, it was great. What did the pastor preach on? Um, the thing that you just said you were going to change and everything, you don't forgot by dinner time what it was. It might have been there before. Why? Because the enemy comes to try to steal the word of God from us because he doesn't want it to go down deep and he doesn't want it to produce the fruit that God wants to bring. But when you look, Peter preaches this message. It says they're pierced to the heart. It says that, that 3,000 people came to know Jesus in one day. Like, that's phenomenal growth. Come on, that, that sounds like a huge church growth plan. And in the church world today, if we had a service and 3,000 people got saved in one service, guess what we're doing the next night? We're, we're setting up a tent. We're building some buildings. We're, we're going to sing the same worship songs because the glory of God obviously fell through those songs that we just sang last night. So we got to do it again. We're going to let old Pastor Pete Pete get up and preach again because the anointing's on him. Like, people are coming. Thousands are saved. Like, I mean... And, isn't that what we've done in the church world today? We would build the church all around Peter right now. He is the pastor. He is the leader. Hey, you remember that time when Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build the church? He was talking to Peter. That must have been what he meant. We're going to build it all. About. Peter is the man. He's the pastor. We're going to let him preach. And, 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 and we're just going to build, build big buildings around him. Bring all your money so that we can supply all these things. That's what we've done in America. And guys, that's completely not what happened here. They didn't build any buildings. I mean... You, you think, but, but 3,000 people were saved. That's, that's church growth. That's amazing, right? Yeah, if the goal of the ministry of what God called us to do was build, make converts, then that is a successful day of ministry. But Jesus didn't tell his disciples to make converts. In Matthew 28, one of the last things that he told them was, go therefore make disciples. Say disciples. Disciples and converts are two totally different things. There were people who pronounced their faith in Jesus Christ, and then when he preached a message they didn't like, they walked away. But then there were people, when he would preach a message, then he would even look at them and say, you going somewhere? And be like, I ain't going nowhere. You're the man who has the words of eternal life. 
What was the difference? One was a convert and was touched and was emotionally moved in a spirit. The other had committed that my life, I understand my temple, that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and that I'm giving my life to him, not just an area of my life to them. He said, teach, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to follow the things that I have commanded you. And behold, uh, I will be with you always, even to the end of age. Now, he didn't just say, have them come to church on a Sunday. He said, no, no, you've got to teach them some things. And he tells them, he doesn't just say, teach them about Abraham and teach them about the 12 tribes of Israel and teach them some good biblical history and things like that. He said, no, no, teach them the things that I've commanded you to do. So in other words, it's not just have a biblical knowledge of things. It's a you need to have an application knowledge of things. Like you have to understand the why behind the stories that are there. And what is God wanting of us? What is he calling of us? What is he asking of us when we give our lives to him? It's not just so that we can pray a prayer and get to heaven one day. It's because we realize that we have something to offer back to him. That before we were in our mother's womb that he wrote out, every day of our life in our book that when we were in our mother's womb, we were being fearfully and wonderfully made and created for a plan and a purpose that's far greater than just attending church. And when you see the way that they led the church, they didn't call people to just come to me. Like, they, they engaged people immediately into the church. If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41, it says, so when these people received the word that they needed to repent and be baptized, they were baptized. And they were added to the church. There were 3,000 souls that day. And these people who were saved, there was something that they did. They didn't just go home. They didn't just buy a Christian t-shirt. They didn't just put a Jesus fish on the back of their mule, their donkey. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which they were teaching the word of God. And being devoted to it isn't just devoting themselves to listen to it. Being devoted to it is devoting themselves to do it. See, there's a lot of people in the church world today who are devoted to listen to good teaching, but they're not so devoted to doing what the good teaching said. And that's where the disconnect is. Do we truly believe that God wants us to follow the commands of Christ and obey what he says, or are we in that, well, it doesn't really matter as long as I just have my faith in Jesus, I never have to even do anything with my life. And, and look, you can, your salvation is based on your faith in Jesus alone and what he did. But how pleased God is with your life and how fruitful your life is when it comes to the kingdom of God things is going to be based on what you did with what you were taught and what you know. There's a lot of people's knowledge, head knowledge, far surpasses 
their heart knowledge and the level of obedience. And there's got to be a change. It says they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, and then also hanging out together. Like we, we, we have this thing where we come to church, and as long as we turn and shook our neighbor's hand, we call that fellowship, and then we leave, and we retreat back to our homes. That's not what they were talking about. It says that they broke bread together. That breaking bread together was a Shabbat dinner. That means that they came over. They went through things. They had, they had a, a Shabbat dinner. Part of the Shabbat dinner is communion that you take together. You remember how God brought them out of Egypt. Like there's communion. There's fellowship around food. All of these things. There's time during the Shabbat dinner where there's prayer over individuals and over the families and things. And then they were devoted to one another in prayer. It doesn't say that they were just faithful church attenders. It doesn't say that they were just faithful tithers. They were devoted to each other's life. They realize it. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, don't you realize that there are many parts of this body and that every part of this body is important. That every part of this body brings things. That's what it talks about in, in when it says that, that the, the pastor's role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that every piece can come together and fit together and work together to accomplish the things that God has called them to do. See, the disciples didn't just run and go try to start a church here. Because the disciples knew what the heart of Jesus was. They had seen the heart of Jesus displayed to them in the way that he discipled them. There were things that the disciples knew about Jesus that the crowds didn't know about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't just go to them and say, hey, come to church on Sunday. Go look when he called the disciples. Did he go to them and say, hey, come, I'm going to be preaching next weekend. I'm going to be holding a revival out here. Come hear me preach. He, he didn't say that. What did he say? Come, follow me. Come follow me. Come be a part of my life. And we have to realize something. His disciples understood because Jesus said, come follow me. And then he invested in them and he spoke into them and, and all of these different things privately. Then they understood that the way that we're really going to make disciples isn't just by Peter becoming a pastor of a church and preaching thousands of people every weekend. But the way that we're going to make disciples is by telling people, you need to come do life with me. You need to come be a part of the things that I'm currently doing. You need to come and, and do things with me. They saw the way that Jesus would speak to the crowds, but then there's times when he would speak to the crowd and the crowd would lead confused. Matthew chapter 13 is an example of this. And, and, and he's preaching about the, the sowing of the seed. And, 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 and at the, the end of it, the, the disciples come to him and they're like, Jesus, why are you always preaching parables? Like, they don't get it. They're not a, why are you preaching in parables? 
And Jesus explains why he preaches in parables, but then he explains the parable of the sower to them. And he begins to break down, well, this is the seed, and the seed, the birds represent the, the enemy who comes to steal the word, and, and the, the weeds represent the, the cares of life and, and everything, and how it comes to choke out the words so that it doesn't bring forth. And, you know, and he goes through this whole thing, and he gives them the inside scoop on the story so that now not only do they hear the parable and can we requote and, and, and re, re, uh, say things that Jesus said before, but they understand the heart behind it and see I think a lot of times when we hear a message there's a lot of things that we hear and sometimes it challenges us sometimes it offends us sometimes we're confused by it but we don't have anyone to talk to about it because all we do is attend church and we don't have those relationships where there's fellowship together, where there's things. That one of the reasons why when we gave you these notebooks that some of you still come in and you take your notes every single week. And I love that you see that, seeing you do that. One of the reasons we gave that is we're like, hey, if you have questions, if there are things God's speaking to you, get those notes. And then you get together with some other believers and you talk about notes and y'all exchange notes. Because one of the greatest things that I experienced when, when it, it as far as the word of God uh, like unfolding and becoming like more levels to it and stuff is when I get around with other believers who think a little bit differently than I think and I love it that God put somebody who think, put thinks completely differently than what I think in my household she grew up with a completely different denominational background than what I grew up with and everything. And it doesn't lead to contention and strife in our home because we have different perspectives looking at the Word of God. And so there's a lot of times when I'm even doing sermon prep, she'll be like, what are you preaching on? And I'll tell her. And she'll be like, have you thought about this? Did you, you did know this. And I'm saying, no, I didn't know that. I'm still in that. Thank you very much. Probably those things, if you tweet or Instagram anything that I said, I probably stole it from Melody. <laughs> or Pastor Q, or Pastor Jonathan, or somebody else that I discuss the Word of God and allow that to grow inside of me. In the small groups, guys, like everything in a crowd is surface level. And honestly, that's why a lot of times people won't even come to the altar is because they're worried about what the crowd thinks. And then even when they do come to the altar, it's like, hey, what's going on in your life? What kind of pray? Oh, I'm just struggling. Well, thought that might be why you're here. Is there anything particular that we can connect with and pray with you about? Listen, that's why we changed the whole way we do sermons. Some of y'all may be new to church and you're like, y'all only sing one song? Like, no, we're going to sing more at the end. But we moved worship to the end to give opportunity for connection point where it's not just, hey, I'm struggling, pray for me, or drive by prayer. But we can connect and say, what's going on when well, my marriage is struggling? Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's pray about that for a minute. Let me encourage you in what you can do. What are steps? And begin to allow the body to be the body. That's what it's there for. Even in the Old Testament, it talks about, you know, in Ecclesiastes, we use it for a wedding all the time, how 
two are better than one because they have a good return. If one's cold, the other one warm them. If one falls, the other one's there to pick them up. That whole thing, and a three-quarter strand. Sometimes we just need to connect to another believer who's got a little bit of faith in an area that we may be struggling in, who's got a little bit of wisdom in an area that we may be struggling in, and say, here I am. And Jesus did that with his disciples. Jesus corrected sin. Like, he, he didn't sit there from the pulpit to a big crowd and be like, James and John, you sons of thunder. My goodness, you heathens. You got pride in your heart. and Like, no, he, it, that's as they're doing life along the way. He sets with Peter and he says, Peter, listen, the devil, he's desiring to sift you as wheat. But I want you to know I'm praying for you that your faith is going to be made strong. He didn't announce that in the crowd. Why? Because it wasn't the place for it. The place was in the community. The place was in the groups. He even talked to them about things that he didn't talk to other people about. And you see, he does this from time to time. Like He goes to them and says, hey, who are they saying I am? Oh, well, some say you're Jeremiah, and some say you're a prophet, and some say you're Elijah. Well, who do you say I am? Well, you're the son of the living Christ. And then he looks at him and says, well done, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but this was revealed by the Spirit of God. Good job. And then, I believe it's the same night, he looks at him and says, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Because <laughs> you don't know. You're thinking with the mind of man, not the mind of Christ. At the Last Supper, over dinner, He's talking to them about the cross. He's talking to them about what a true servant and a true leader is. No servant's greater than the master. Same way I washed your feet, you washed the disciple, uh, others' feet. He talks to them about heaven. He doesn't really talk about heaven in his sermons. Uh, he doesn't do a whole discourse on heaven. But then when he's with his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, there are many mansions. Before and I so I would have told you. But I go and I prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come and receive you again. That where I am there, you may be also. Why? Because there, he knows when the cross comes that they're going to want to run. And he's trying to encourage them. Listen, I'm not leaving you. I'm coming right back to get you. And you're going to be with me in heaven. He talks to him about the Holy Spirit. It's better for me to leave because I'm going to, the Lord, God's going to send the Spirit of God and he's going to be a comforter. And no longer will he just be with you and come upon you, but he'll come inside of you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you when you don't know what to say. He'll fill you. Like he goes through this whole thing. These aren't teachings that he even did in the bigger settings. Because let's be honest, crowds are fickle. You say one thing wrong in a crowd that they don't agree with or they don't understand, and they're leaving. And so Jesus dealt with the issues that other people wouldn't maybe not even understand, not even from a pulpit on a Sunday, but in, 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 uh, in a conversation so that they could have interaction like, hold on, wait, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you saying that? Because think about this with crowds. Same crowd, 
that at the beginning of the week is saying, Hosanna, and they're throwing palm branches, and they're throwing coats on the road. Same crowd, less than a week later, is saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. You have the disciples that hear Jesus' message, and I think it's John 6, about how you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you hear the crowd. The crowd hears the message, and they're like, this is, I'm walking away. Even the 70 that he had sent out, and they had cast out demons and healed the sick and did all these things. Guess where they found themselves? Walking away. What was the difference? Why didn't they walk away, the disciples? Because the disciples like, this is a hard teaching. <laughs> what you're saying is, is hard. But I know you're going you're gonna to explain it to me. They had relational equity. That when everybody else wanted to run, they wouldn't. I think one of the reasons why people disconnect from church so quickly is because they don't have relational equity in the church. And the relational equity doesn't have to be with the pastor. It can be with another leader. It can be with other families. It can be with people who may know something that they don't know. That's like one of the, one of the things that we do in groups. Like groups don't have to be this weird thing where you have a guy with a guitar and, and he's leading worship. Because nobody likes to do like that whole worship. And you ever been in one of those things where you got the guy and he probably most of the time he really doesn't sing the greatest anyway. This is his platform to be able to lead worship. He, he invite everybody to my house. I'm going to play guitar lead worship my house you know and they, they sing and it's awkward because they're they're just singing all out and everybody else is just sitting here like you know you ever been in one of those like groups don't have to be like that it can be with people that you like it can be with people that you know and guys, it should be. But a lot of people don't go to small groups because they've had a bad experience with it at one point in time. You know what you can do? You can start a small group. Like we've offered curriculums. We've, I still have a t bunch of Until Unity books and things that we bought for people to lead small groups. Here you go. Every week when we do a sermon, there is, there is a, uh, not just the full sermon, but then they shorten it to about 10 to 15 minutes. And some of y'all are like, wow, they performed a miracle. <laughs> One of your sermons in 10 to 15 minutes? Why do we do that? So that you can get the highlight reel of thing. You can even watch that. And you can just discuss what God is speaking to his church. And that has nothing to do with me. It's not like, well, he's just trying to get a following or YouTube videos up or anything. I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't have any social media. I don't know how many people watch or like or dislike any of our stuff that we do. But if God's called you to be a part of our church, then on a weekly basis, you need to be hearing the things that God is speaking into the life of the church. And then versus you just hearing it one time and walking on, you need to have those opportunities where you can discuss with other believers 
and you can see insight from other sides of the coin and allow that word to go down deeper and deeper. Why, why do we do that? Why should you take notes in church? Because even when you hear a message one time, you hear it, and a lot of times you're going to forget it. But when you hear it and you write it down, you're going to retain it. When you hear it, you write it down, you talk about it. It's putting the word down more and more and more in your heart. Which means it's more likely not to be stolen by the birds. It's more likely not to be scorched out by trials of life. You got other people that are in your life that when cares of life are getting heavy, which is what the thorns represented that choked out the word, they're there to pray with you. They're there to encourage you. They're there to walk through life with you. I know what's happened. We saw amazing things happen this past year with Arise and Arise groups. Like just phenomenal, like people being healed in, in, not inside the church, inside the home. People being set free from bondages and things, not inside the church, inside of homes. Like people finding joy, people being restored, people who have been through deep trauma that God has been bringing healing and removing layers of guilt and condemnation and shame. and I mean, physical healing after physical healing after physical healing and miracles taking place. And it's all exciting. But then routines of life and busy schedules and discouragement, different things settle in. It just kind of hit me as I was thinking about this message that probably one of the reasons why I had to preach about discouragement last week was because some of you are discouraged about your life groups and your small groups and the way that they're going and you're done with them. It's like I can, I, I've tried it, been there, done that. Kids wrecked my house, made all the food and people didn't show up. And it can be discouraging. But didn't we realize last week that discouragement is to get you to back off of what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be? If you've been discouraged because you haven't seen the success in your small groups or things, I can tell you this, guys. Our church is amazing. And I am the most blessed pastor that there is because of the people that we pastor. But can I tell you something? Like, there have been a lot of things that have discouraged me about the church. There have been a lot of times where I'm like, is anybody even listening to anything that I say? It, does anybody even like me? Does it, I mean... Why go through all this attack? Why go through everything that we go through? If when you get up and you preach your heart out, nobody does it anyway. Am I just wasting time? You know what I realize? That's just the enemy trying to get me to quit. 
in the same way that you wouldn't want me to quit, I need you to not quit because you are helping pastor the people. You are being who God called you to be. God didn't call me to draw a big crowd. God called me to make disciples. Do you think the disciples didn't face discouragement and, and weight and anxiety and everything when they were expanding? Yes, there were 3,000 people that were added in the first day. But then you look in Acts chapter 4 and they're being arrested. Do you think that wasn't discouraging? In fact, you see, what was the response in Acts chapter 4 though? They had another home church meeting. They got together with other believers and they began to pray. And it says the Spirit of God refilled them again and then... They're back out doing it again. Maybe when we get discouraged versus quitting, that's when we need to call people in the most. And say, I'm battling discouragement right now. I feel like I'm about to quit. Can you help bear? That's why I said, bear one another's burdens. But the problem is the reason why so many people quit and walk away from the faith is because they don't have the connectivity in the community within. They don't have the relational equity. They don't have the people to get around. And it's easy to sit back and blame it on everybody else. When nobody came and shook my hand, well, did you go shake anybody's hand? When nobody came and said hello, did you go say hello? Well, I, 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 I didn't, I wasn't invited to a group. Every single week, I invite y'all to a group. Like our website saying, I mean, we're constantly talking about groups, 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 getting groups, 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 groups. That's an invitation to a group. I'm telling you right now, at the end of the service, there is a table out in the foyer. I know a lot of y'all been to Elevation Church. At Elevation Church, they have a big red tent that you go to and you connect in and they give you t-shirts and they give you all kinds of stuff. We don't have a big red tent out there but Pastor Q is wearing a big red sweatshirt out there. <laughs> and if you need to be a part of a group, which is every individual, you need this. You need this. You need this. You need this. Don't do this on your own. Like when, when I hear how Paul is saying, I, I beseech thee, I urge you, I beg you, I know the feeling. I've been preaching this message for a while. Go all the way back to Revive Weekend. And we start talking Acts Church, Acts Church, Acts Church, Acts Chapter 2, Acts Chapter 2. You've heard it a hundred times. And some of y'all are like, Pastor Brandon, can we get on a new sermon? I will when we do this one. I will, I will move on when we do it right. And I know what that means. That may, means, that may mean the crowd dwindles. But God didn't call me to draw a crowd. God called me to make disciples. Jesus didn't chase the crowds. The disciples didn't chase the crowds. They were intentional about developing relationships and developing disciples. Guys, you need relationships in your life, not just acquaintances in your life. Some of these people that you sit behind every single week and you fist bump and you talk about the weather and you talk about sports too, you need to invite them over to your house. You need to break some bread together. You need to encourage one another and talk about Jesus. 
some of my greatest growth moments have not come from being in a church service. It's come from surrounding myself with people who challenge me. It's come from surrounding myself and opening myself up for people to speak into my life. The GPS has been going off for two years. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. You can be like Pastor Aaron and be like, say it again, I dare you. Or you can say, you know what, God, I hear you. We got a letter this week. And it's from a lady who is currently incarcerated. And we sent devotionals into this prison. And she has taken the devotionals and she went through it with one group of people. And then she found another group of people and she went through it with that group of people. She's currently on her third small group session of going through the Rise devotion with another group. Why? Because she understood that God wasn't just giving her the word of God for herself. And here we are, not living in a prison cell, but living in nice homes. have the freedom of our calendar is ours. Every minute of the day is ours and we can do whatever we want with it. And we can't make time for relationships and growth. Beyond that, one of the things that this lady gets $45 a month she has to pay $20 to go to school classes that she's taken, which leaves her with $25 for you non-math majors. And she said, I'm sending and committing to send $20 a month to your church for you guys to continue to do the ministry and things that you were doing. Which again, for you non-math majors, that leaves her with $5. And $20 is not 10% of 45. It's much higher. What's the difference? It's, it's not here. It's here. And we need to follow her example. We need to follow her example. And realize the blessings that we have of our health, our freedom. Stop making excuses for things and use our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to God. Amen.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.